since learning the truth about alcohol over four years ago, I've become pretty skeptical about anything that seems too good to be true. You know, like alcohol. If you're like me and you can spot a too good to be true health hack from a mile away, congrats, you're a skeptic too. Ritual knows that every good skeptic deserves a multivitamin that exceeds our standards. I take Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus every morning because it has high quality and traceable key ingredients in clean, bioavailable forms. It's gentle on an empty stomach and has a minty essence in every bottle that helps make taking my multis actually enjoyable. No more shady business. Ritual's Essential for Women 18 Plus is a multivitamin you can actually trust. Get 25% off your first month at ritual.com forward slash sober mom. Start Ritual or add Essential for Women 18 Plus to your subscription today. That's ritual.com forward slash sober mom for 25% off. All right, you guys, I am currently struggling with a pinched nerve in my neck. And if you have ever had one, you know the pain. So I am feeling super thankful for today's sponsor, Tanasi. Tanasi's CBD, CBDA is two times better than CBD alone and better than over-the-counter ibuprofen, acetaminophen, and aspirin. It helps soothe and relieve my aches and pains, like my pinched nerve, and it's great for sleep and anxiety, so I put it on right before bed. Tanasi was discovered by a team of chemists and biologists at Middle Tennessee State University, and 5% of all revenue is given back to the university partner for ongoing research. It is THC-free and comes in a range of products. I love the topicals, but you can also choose from soft gels, gummies, and tinctures. Satisfaction is guaranteed. Try Tanasi for 30 days, and if you don't love it, you get a full refund. Go to Tanasi.com and use code MOM to get 25% off at checkout. That's T-A-N-A-S-I.com to get 25% off your first order with promo code MOM. Hi, welcome to the Sober Mom Life podcast. I'm your host, Suzanne, of My Kind of Sweet and the Sober Mom Life on Instagram. If you are a mama who has questioned your relationship with alcohol at times, if you're wondering if maybe it's making motherhood harder, this is for you. I will be having candid, honest, funny conversations with other moms who have also thought, hmm, maybe motherhood is better without alcohol. Is it possible? We'll chat and we'll talk about all things sobriety and how we've found freedom in sobriety. I don't consider myself an alcoholic. You don't have to either. And maybe life is brighter without alcohol. I hope you will join us on this journey and I'm so excited to get started. Hello, sober mom lifers. I don't know. Is that what we're calling ourselves? <laughs> I don't know. Let's try it out for a while. See see if it sticks. We have another Real Sober Mom today. Today I speak with Jamie. It's so funny. I've, I've talked to a lot of Jamies. I didn't know that was such a common name. And they're all spelled differently. It's so interesting. It is funny that I've I've spoken with a lot of moms at this point. And while there's the common thread of you know, what sobriety has done and kind of how they're feeling in their sobriety. All of their stories are really different and what they are learning from sobriety and what they're taking from it. I hear something new every single time, which I think is really interesting. 
And it says something about everybody's sobriety journey is, while it may feel the same in some areas, it just really is different. And I love it, you guys. I just love this stuff. I love being able to sit in my closet and connect with moms all across the country. Yeah, so Jamie is just, oh man, her energy is amazing, which is not a coincidence because she's an energy healer. She's She runs a holistic practice. So she's really in tune with everybody's energy. And I think that's an interesting conversation when it comes to moms because, you know, it's almost like we're the energy keepers of the house. And especially in witching hour and toddler tantrums and just matching energies can be tricky with moms. It's like when my toddler's losing his shit, like I don't want to match his energy. I want him to match mine. How do I bring calm to the situation? So we talk a lot about energy, which I really like, and I find energy fascinating. I think you guys will really like this conversation. Also, just a reminder if you're liking the podcast, please just rate it all of the stars. I think you can rate it five, maybe six, maybe 10. I don't know. Just rate it all of them. And then wherever you listen to it, follow the show, leave a review if you're loving it or if one episode resonated with you. I would love to hear it. Also, come and join our Sober Mom Life group on Facebook. That's where all of these wonderful moms are. That's where we're talking about sobriety all day long throughout the day. It's just a wonderful place to check in and just listen to other people's stories and conversations. I'm also starting a weekly meeting over there. So be sure and come and join us. It's the Sober Mom Life on Facebook. Also come and follow me, the Sober Mom Life on Instagram and the Sober Mom Life pod on TikTok. Come and say hi and let me know what you think about the show. And I hope you enjoy this episode with Jamie. Hey, we are here. We're here with Jamie, another real sober mom. Jamie, I'm so glad you're here. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to have a chat today. Yes, me too. Okay, so let's start. Just tell us a little bit about yourself. And then before we talk about sobriety and where you're at with that, let's talk about your drinking story. My drinking story. You know, it's good having this conversation because it forced me to look at my drinking story. It's not something often that we stop and we pause and think about. You know, for me, I come from a very large, mostly Polish and Italian family here in the Midwest. Drinking is a normal part of society. I say there's a bar almost on every corner. You know, there's a very chill vibe when it comes to drinking. So for me, it, it was just a part of life. And I probably didn't start attempting to taste alcohol until I was about in eighth grade. And it was just taking sips off bottles and just kind of giggling about it. And by the time I was in high school, I would say is when drinking really kind of picked up social pressure or whatnot. It just, I think, a normal part of experimenting in high school is really when um, that that had started for me. And I never cared for the taste of alcohol, especially as a kid, but I learned really quick I could metabolize alcohol very well. That it was a flex. It was, hey, I can, I can hang. I, I, you know, I'll be one of the last ones standing here. And you know, because it was such a normal part of life, my consumption never was questioned by me or anybody else. Everything was hunky dory and great. 
carrying on with my life. But for for me, my journey with sobriety really started about a year ago when a very, very dear friend of mine lost his life to suicide. He, I know, had been struggling with a multitude of things, but addiction and drinking was one of them. And he had tried multiple times his hand at sobriety and ultimately would go back. So his death rocked my world. And so it made me really take inventory of myself and say, okay, when somebody is struggling, we're so quick to say, you know, eat better, move your body, stop drinking, get some friends, find a new activity. But most of the time, even though well-intentioned, we aren't doing those things in our own lives. Yeah. Right? So his passing really made me take some inventory. And mind you, I'd also been running a holistic health and wellness center for about a decade leading up to this. So I knew I was helping people um, go through these things, but what was I doing in my own life? So April 17th was actually the first day, the day after Easter. I was like, I'm going to start a 30 day challenge in my friend's honor. I'm going to step away from alcohol to empathize what he experienced in his journey. And as I entered that in through today. Now I'm pushing seven months of being uh, sober and loving it. And the farther I get away from alcohol, the more apparent the issues are with alcohol and drinking. So I stumbled across you and your podcast and your group, and it's just been such an incredible community to relate and to share and to do that. So it's been an interesting (laughs) an interesting journey. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it sounds like losing your friend, which I'm so sorry. Um, that was a heartbreaking thing, but the fact that it caused you to then look inward and say like, wait a second, what is my relationship with alcohol? When you're right, like in the Midwest, we don't do that. Yeah, We don't look at it because it's everywhere. It's like, does a fish know it's wet? Yeah. It's like, that's, it's just all over yes. around here. And I like how you said, like, even having this conversation today kind of forced you to say, like, what is my relationship with alcohol? What is my alcohol journey? So you did that first 30 days. How did you feel in that 30 days? (laughs) The first 30 days, I would even say the first almost 90 days was pretty brutal. The cravings and the voice inside our head that tells us, why are you doing this? You know, I would sit there, I'd be getting ready for the day with the voice in my head, like, why are you doing this? You don't have a problem. You, everything's great. Like, what, what, what's your deal? Like, just go have a drink, go have a glass of wine, you know? So it was really, really hard. And as I stuck with it, I, I would love to say that it became easy. It did eventually. Um, and I'm still in infancy, but it was hard and it made me uh, have to sit with my feelings and really take a look at what is going on. And the best way I can put it now what I realized is I don't know if you or anybody listening to this has ever seen Percy Jackson. Okay. I haven't seen it. Tell me. Yeah. You have not. Okay. But there's a part of the movie. They're all stuck in a casino. Make it really think long thing short. And they keep eating. They are handed these lotus flowers. And when you eat the lotus flower, you lose all sense of time. You think you're in this euphoric state and you get stuck in this place. And as I was traveling my journey, that 
scene kept coming to my mind where I was like, wow, that's really what alcohol is, is it's this tool that we're being fed that gives us a false reality, a sense of euphoria and keeps us stuck. That was really what anchored me and kept me moving forward is because then my mind instantly goes to, well, why did somebody want me to be stuck and not be seeing what's going on in my life? And who is like trying to get me to not yeah, look who benefits from that? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So um, those first 30 days in particular were, I just kept thinking, wow, I get it now. I get why it's so hard for anybody to step away from alcohol. I like that you said that because you sound like now in your sobriety journey, you're seven months, you're, you're firmly in it. You're, you're seeing the brighter side of it, but I like that you highlighted in that first 30 days. And you even said 90 days, you do kind of doubt the whole thing. You're like, I like as the hangover dissolves, a lot of times so does our commitment to not drinking alcohol. It's like, oh, well, that's it wasn't that bad. And like you compare yourselves to these like rock bottom stories and it's like, well, I wasn't that bad, right? And so then you you kind of forget about the effects of alcohol and what alcohol did to you until you really start taking that deep dive into being like, okay, let me just see what role alcohol has played in my life. Has it added anything? And maybe it has at some times, but what has it also taken away? And I think until you start looking at that, yeah, that doubt definitely creeps in. Absolutely. And one of the, I love that you said that because the biggest thing was I did stop and say, what does alcohol bring into my life? There's nothing. And oftentimes I think the first thought is, well, I'm more introverted. People think I'm very outgoing, but I'm very introverted. And people say, well, it, it's a tool so that when I'm in the company of individuals, I can be relaxed and I can you know, communicate better. And I stopped and even looked at that and said, but wait a minute, if you're in the company of somebody that you can't be fully yourself in that company, is that really serving you? That's not, that's, it's making you, it's giving you a false identity that now you have to continue to maintain in these circles to fit what other people want from you. Right. And at least for me, I mean, I would say things that I would never say when I wasn't drinking. That feels worse than just feeling uncomfortable and being awkward. Like I would take being socially awkward and uncomfortable any day over the shame and guilt I would feel about acting like someone I wasn't. Yes, two million percent. And yeah. if it, it's like if it wasn't for the pause, I think it's it's almost to what we're saying, like, what is your relationship or your story with alcohol? It's almost like you can't even get to the story until you separate yourself because you have to look at it from an external viewpoint and say, OK, what is going on? And that's what continues to drive me is because I did remember the times where I did really stupid things or I said things that I really regretted the next day. And I also homeschool my kids. And so it was, even if you're having a cocktail with dinner, the next morning, I would not like wake up skipping down the street, ready to tackle my day. And so that separation made me really go, 
wow, (laughs) whoa. And I'm feeling the effects of having energy and having clarity and feeling grounded and not having that anxious, depressive heaviness around me. And that continues to drive me forward. Anytime I did get a craving, I would say to myself, what good will come of drinking? I will probably have I don't know, 30 minutes of feeling good before I want the next drink. And one of the things I heard, I don't know who said it, I heard it out there in the cosmos, was that when you have your first sip of alcohol and it hits your body and gives you kind of that warm feeling where you're like, ah, every sip of alcohol after that, you're chasing that first feeling of, ah, and it never comes again. No, and it never – it's like that first 20 minutes where alcohol is delivering what you think it's going to, right? And you're like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. And then that wears off and and yeah, then you're constantly then the rest of the night trying to get that feeling because that felt so good and you're not, you're not going to get it. Yes, 2 million percent. So those are those things that continue to drive me. Obviously, I do this in my friend's honor, but even more than that, I do it for me because like I'm innately like once I know something, I can't unknow it. I can't just push back and hide into the bushes and disappear. Like if I know something, I am going to keep pushing forward. I can't unknow it. Thankfully, I am like that to keep moving forward because it's very, very easy to go right back. And I see it time and time again in the story shared in the sober mom life, you know, and I empathize with that because it is so hard to stay the past, stay the course. And I think that once you do get past it, I, I always say like these 30 day challenges or whatever, like it does feel to me like you're running because I'm a runner and the first two miles are always just shit. Like, I don't always feel like shit. They're the worst. Like I'm like, why am I doing this? Ugh, I, I just want to walk. I just want to stop. Like the first two miles of literally every run, that's what's going through my head. And then something happens after those two miles and I settle in and my body is not freaking out anymore. My heart rate comes down. My mind quiet. And I'm like, oh, okay. Now I feel like I could go for 10 more miles. And I feel like the 30 day challenge is like those first two miles of like, you're doing the hardest part over and over and over. And you're not getting to this, like where you are now, the seven months, the year, the two years where way really does lead on to way in sobriety. And you start getting these tools. You start feeling just how you were meant to feel without alcohol. You start trusting yourself and how wonderful that feels. But you that doesn't come in the first 30 days. Absolutely. And I, I love that analogy. And for me, so my background, I said I had that holistic center. I'm an energy medicine practitioner. And so like through this, I say that because through this process, I realized why I was drinking when I started drinking. So I was born with the ability <laughs> to see and experience and understand energy in all its forms. Oh my gosh, I love that. I need like a healing session. It's, yeah. it's great, but being young, being a teenager, even in my 20s and 30s, walking around and being able to experience all of this and needing something to turn it off, alcohol was the only thing. So you can feel, you could feel other people's energies even at that young age. Oh yeah. You kind of just, 
So you, you would like take their energy on? Yes, quite literally. I, I explain it to people. It's like Alice going down the rabbit hole. It, you know, that's my normal life where I can look around and I can see the colors and I can feel the energy and I can not only see and feel it, but interpret it and understand it. And so as a younger me, I could get these downloads and understand it, but yet I was young. I didn't have the wisdom to really understand what was being said yeah, or coming through. Yeah. yeah. But alcohol was my only sure thing that could completely tune it all out. And I still felt like the bubbly me, but without the energy. So I say that even now on my journey. It's been an interesting thing to learn to navigate that and say, okay, well, man, I really need to learn how to deal with this in all situations and understand and love myself even more. So I know we say those self-care and self-love, those are common things to say, but really, truly, without implementing that to a very massive extent in my life and this journey, I would not be able to sit here and be talking to you today. It's interesting because as you're talking about, you know, feeling people's energies and taking it on, it does remind me just the role of a mom we have to absorb our children's energy all the time. Like, you know, tantrums, we have to we have to figure out how to divert the energy, change energy. Like, how are we dealing with their energy? How do we not match their energy so that we also freak out? And so, yeah, those are all tools that, well, we normally, you know, moms would turn to alcohol to do the same thing you were doing, which is to just quiet the shit, right? And just like, oh my God, I need everything to quiet down. And so it is like you're having to do that in your practice and in your job all the time every day of like, okay, I can no longer quiet this energy down. I can no longer escape from it. And so what what do you do then as a mom too, like in the witching hour and when you're feeling your kid's energy and they're losing their shit? Because, you know, the witching hour is like a huge trigger for a lot of moms. It's a huge trigger. And, you know, I, I can answer that. But yet on the same token, I can't because my children are older now. Okay, but still, don't you think... There's still a witching hour then? I do and I don't because it's different because with homeschooling, it, homeschooling changed our lives for the better. You, you Homeschool moms are heroes because I have no idea how you do it. But it's amazing. And so what I do and I do with if I'm working with somebody or my children or whomever is around me is I'm constantly kind of like a private investigator. I'm kind of always exploring and saying, okay, what is going on here? I really work on balancing that out and using the tools I have with them. So I see that the energy is about to implode in the house. I'm like, all right, let's get our hiking shoes on. Let's grab the dog. We're going to go outside and we're going to go march it out. And being able to hold and anchor my own energy is vital in that because we as parents can't help and assist our kids until we are centered and grounded. And I think that's why witching hour is so overwhelming for, for most. So I had to learn to say, okay, I need to take the deep breath. I need to get centered myself so that I can be 
wholly present with my children and what they're bringing forth. And I say all of this and not in a cloud of perfection. Like, you know, I have my moments where I lose my shit or I'm like, whoa, I put myself in a timeout. Yes. Because I say like, we, we also go through our own, I go through a witching hour at 5 PM, like a sensory overload, like lights drive me crazy. Noise drives me. Like I can feel my skin crawling. I can feel like I'm about to lose my shit. And so, yeah, I think in sobriety, you're able to hear those cues and know what you need and be like, oh, right, this is where I need. It's true. And so it's that's what we have to teach our children as well. When I was drinking and I had the escape of grabbing a glass of wine or doing that, I was just yeah. pushing it away. And, you know, and to be honest, like even with starting the sobriety journey, I really had to face my deep guilt that I was carrying as a parent for that. I even though I would like tune out with wine at the end of the day, I knew I wasn't living up to my motherly potential with my children. You know, I had to reconcile and make amends with that. But now it's, I take what I know and what I see and understand, and I pass that along to my children. And we talk a lot about self-regulation and the emotional system and the nervous system and how does energy and emotion play out onto our body and what are good coping skills? Because, my gosh, life is not going to be this euphoric, peaceful, skip down the street, always happy experience. And if we can say, hey, we're going to experience the hard stuff, but we're going to embrace it and we're going to use it as an opportunity to grow, you know, how can we best do that and interact? So that's how I, I kind of almost, it's like almost like taking charge of the house. I think before I felt victim of the house and victim of my kids. And I was like, oh my God. And now I'm like, hey, I got to take charge of my house. <laughs> yes. Oh my God. I love that because I, I always think about this idea, like our kids do match our energy. Yes. Right. So we can either match theirs and we can like go in on the tantrum and yell and don't, I mean, this does not mean that I don't yell because I do yell. Like as some days I just lose my shit and that's okay. Cause I'm human. We all do. But, <laughs> yeah. But like, I have so found that when my kid is throwing a tantrum, if I just sit with it and know that this tantrum is not going to kill me, like I, I can weather it. It's fine. I don't have to match energies. And if I'm, if I remain calm, like they are eventually going to match my energy. And that's, that's like overall, that's like the mom being the center of the home. Yes. Amen. I really think that is, especially for obviously women um, that usually run the home and that the overwhelm is that because we feel, I don't, you know, victimized. We feel like, oh my God, this is happening to me and I don't know what to do. And we feel ill-equipped. Let's be honest. We have a kid and they're like, here you go. Like we are, we're overwhelmed. We're burnt out. We're, a lot of us are on our own throughout the day. Like we're, like we're tired. And that's why when someone posted on in our group, like, why is the witching hour so hard? I'm like, because you're so tired. You're exhausted. Like, it's the same reason it's hard for your kids. Like the end of the day, we're all just like, oh, done. And the thing is, like, if wine helped that, I'd be like, yep, that is the number one tool. You know what I mean? If it helped. 
But it doesn't. It doesn't. And not only does it not help, it makes it harder, which I'm like, this shit's hard enough. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I look at that. And I'm like, you know, my kids need me. And so I had like a come to Jesus moment with myself where I'm like, okay, I looked myself in the mirror and I was like, okay, you have no shit clue what you're doing. You have yeah. never done this before. You have never raised humans before, but you'll figure it out. Like just step up. And I think that is the first way out is just saying, okay, I'm just going to step up to the plate and say, all right, I'm going to figure this out. I know I'm capable. I know I can find a way. It's going to be challenging, but I'm going to find a way (laughs) to take charge and take ownership of this family, guiding this family where it needs to, to be and go. And so now it's at a point where, you know, my number one cheerleader in this whole process has been my youngest son. He's the one that checks in with me every day. He's like, how's it going, mom? And he, I was proud of me and celebrate, you know, my husband and other son do too. Absolutely. But he's this driving force. And so the farther I go into sobriety, the more I'm like, oh my gosh, these kids need me to help shape and guide and wonderfully, I feel in today's day and age, more and more people are moving to an alcohol-free lifestyle. So, you know, I look at them on the, my eldest is on the cusp of high school and like, okay, that's when I started really drinking and the partying started happening where I'm like, okay, they need me to emulate what it looks like to go through life sober, that you can still be fun. You can still be badass. You can still do the things you want to do. Like I said, growing up in a huge family and in the Midwest and all those things, I never had a model of what that looked like. Totally. I didn't even know that was an option. Oh, it wasn't. So I'm like, sober? I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, no, peace out. I'm over here. Like, uh -uh." I know. Sober sober (laughs) meant rehab and, you know, sober living and alcoholics and all of like Meg Ryan in When a Man Loves a Woman. Yeah. Like, that's what that meant. And that just wasn't, yeah. Right. You know, so, you know, that's a motivator for me to keep going is that my children need me to be that light for them and that guide for them and to show them a way. And bonus, I feel great in the process and I'm growing. Yeah. Versus, you know, sitting on the sidelines, just drowning out the voice with the alcohol and being like, okay, it's fine. Kids are going to drink and this is going to happen. And just kind of taking the back seat. That's for me, I think, really what alcohol did. And like I said, for all of the reasons I named, alcohol worked for me. But I was I, I was on the sidelines of my life. It sounds like you're just so proactive now rather than passive and letting letting motherhood and life pass you by. It's like, wait a second, like I'm not going to fall victim to the witching hour. I'm not going to fall victim to the whims and the energy of my kids. Like I'm going to set the energy and I'm going to, yeah. Yeah. And you know what? And there's, you know, there's days where I do give in to the energy and I do have my tantrums yeah, and those course. are the and- Yeah. I love myself anyway. Yeah. Well, the thing is, like, removing alcohol removes a whole lot of guilt. If I would lose my shit and, like, yell at my kids, even if I had just a glass of wine, I would think that, oh, God, like, that guilt would just come into it. That guilt – I mean, I would already feel guilty about yelling, but then on top of that, the alcohol, like, removing that just removes that whole layer of guilt. Sure, I still feel guilty about yelling, but then I can go back and say, oh, sorry I yelled. Yeah, sorry I yelled. Like, I I, I shouldn't have yelled. And – 
keep it moving. But it's not that alcohol is just nowhere in the equation. That feels so good. And it is because I think without alcohol, you authentically know what you're feeling as you feel it. And alcohol, once it's introduced, you have no idea what's really the feeling and what's authentic. There's days we have tantrums, but, you know, extend ourselves grace and move forward. And what a beautiful model for our children. Oh, Okay, Jamie, your energy. I mean, I'm sign me up. Well, thank you for having me and having this conversation. It's so important. And I love that you're like sharing everybody's perspectives and everybody's getting a taste because I think we all relate yeah. to each other. And the power of story is where the healing is at. I think it's so true. And, you know, I've talked to so many moms now, but you guys each bring your own twist and you you have these own lessons that you learn in sobriety and they're so valuable. And I, I just want to put them all out there in the world. This only normalizes this idea that it's not about church basements and alcoholism and AA. Like there's something in between. And these are all of those in-between stories and then benefiting from sobriety. And I just, I love it. I love it. I love that you're doing this. Thank you, Jamie. I really, really appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of The Sober Mom Life. If you loved it, please rate and review it wherever you listen. Five stars is amazing. Also, follow me on Instagram at The Sober Mom Life. Okay, I'll see you next week. I'm going to go reheat my coffee. Bye. Why are we doing an ad again? So that we can tell people about brand new information, a pop culture and political podcast. Say it in a way that doesn't sound like game show host. Okay. Do you want to be in a room of overeducated douchebags and feel comfortable? Brand new information is for you. What's it going to take to put you in this podcast today? We have brand new information on sale for free. Free. Wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah. We might not break the political and pop culture news of the week. But we put it right back together for you. That's right. Listen wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Addiction impacts all of us. Addiction's consequences run through all of us. From ourselves to our loved ones and through our communities, addiction creates so much loss and grief. My name is Dwayne Osterlin, and I'm the host of the Addicted Mind podcast, a show featuring personal stories, expert guests, and vital information about addiction and addiction recovery. We'll talk with leading treatment providers to discuss the latest research and treatment options for this devastating disease and advocate for mental health awareness. We discuss topics like the importance of creating a community of support to helping loved ones to some of the latest research on psychedelic medicines. The Addicted Mind podcast has been about creating hope listening to stories of many amazing people that have overcome addiction and are thriving. If you or a loved one is struggling with addiction, subscribe to the Addicted Mind podcast wherever you get your podcasts or check out theaddictedmind.com. New episodes every Monday. See you there.